Beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Hispanard. So there are two things that I definitely want to go through today. One of them is Superman and Lois, which I think continues to be a fantastic show, and The Book of Boba Fett, which I'm actually in the middle of catching up on still. So the spoilers that I'll be giving will hopefully not um, actually spoil anything for anybody that's listening to this because... I'm going to hope and assume that you've already uh, gotten caught up. But first, I wanted to talk about Superman and Lois and just how great of a show uh, I think it is. Uh, they are knocking it out of the park, and it's only the second episode. I had gotten a uh, text from a friend of mine that had shown me a um, a tweet from from somebody that talked about the show uh, finally going woke. I, I did want to talk about that a little bit and just say that everybody's opinion is everybody's opinion I, I totally get it you know everybody's welcome to their opinions it's almost come to the point where that word doesn't mean anything in fact uh, it's original meaning from the time that, that it first started being floated around to what it turned into uh, especially for a particular s- group slash team of people, in this case, you know, anybody who calls themselves conservatives, to what it's evolved into now. I mean, you can slap that term on anything, and, you know, I guess it makes it so. I w- was thinking it over, <clears throat> and, I, and I'll get back to Superman and Lois, but I was thinking it over when I was a kid, and... And the messages that were being floated around to us as children, it depends on what era of television or movies, you know, you happen to be talking about. But by the time that it got to Silver Spoons, to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, to, um, I don't know, you know, maybe family, family, uh, family ties, any of the... The family sitcom shows were always pushing some kind of uh, social message, social agenda. And, you know, it was always duh situations. Like, of course, duh, don't be racist, don't be, you know, phobic of anything, don't be, you know, don't, don't abuse people. But these messages were constantly being put out. I mean, they still are, obviously, and you know that's that's never changes. It our our media, in particular, TV has always been tied into messages, unless the media originates from a book, and then you're not getting 
the same kind of push. Sometimes you are, but for the most part, you know, if, if people are trying to be faithful to uh, a book and they're using it as a foundation for uh, the thing that they're creating, then you're typically just getting a really good story that happens to touch on a variety of things like, uh, you know, social issues. So with that being said, with episode two of Superman and Lois, I, I find the show really entertaining. Me and my wife both enjoy it a lot. Uh, in this episode, Superman continues to have visions which cause debilitating headaches and, and actually prevent him from being functional and useful while he's doing his Superman uh, stuff. And as he's talking it over with his wife and, and with the family, he comes to the conclusion that the only person that may be able to help him is his half-brother. So he goes speak and speaks to him, does not trust him, doesn't like the idea of having to turn to him as, as a potential for, for help. Last season, his half his crazy half-brother used a technology called uh, the Eradicator technology to try to basically terraform Earth and turn it into a new Krypton and take all of the, I don't know if they were Kryptonian souls or what, that were trapped inside of the Eradicator, but that was going to seed a new Kryptonian race on Earth. Superman stopped it. And we found out that his brother had lost his powers in the process of fighting Superman and John Henry Steele. I can't remember the character's name. I just know him by Steele. He so they fight, <coughs> and his brother loses his abilities, and now he's trapped, or he's not trapped. He's imprisoned rather by the U.S. government, and he's got like these. Uh, power dampening red lights in, in his prison even though he doesn't have any abilities Superman after talking it over with Lois he and his son overhears that he's going to go and, and uh, take his brother out and <clears throat> they're going to go to his brother's fortress which is the complete opposite of Superman's fortress which was located somewhere you know, up north in in the, you know, uh, a, a frozen over hell landscape. His brother went the other route and went to a completely desert, superheated environment. So it's cool that they have that contrast going on. <clears throat> Superman's uh, son, Jonathan, convinces him to let him go along <clears throat> to help out. Excuse me, sorry. And so they go, they take, you know, Superman's half-brother, Jonathan's uncle, and they take him to his fortress. And that, the first tip-off sh that something was going on with uh, the half-brother is that he, one of the crystals, or those crystals that they use in in the DC comics and, and that is particular to the Superman mythos that how you know, houses the AI that Superman carries around with him. It's a crystal that he was able to make his fortress with, and it has, you know, multifunctions. We end up seeing uh, in the old school movie these really cool crystals that are embedded into this slanted table, and you take the crystal out and you put it in another spot, and it, you know, does different things. Anyway, 
So his half-brother has a red version of that, and he puts a crystal from one spot into another, and you see Superman's mother, her uh, an AI representation of her pop-up, and then they have a little bit of a drama period. Superman starts to have one of his headache convulsion things, and his brother takes that moment to reveal that he actually has his his powers again him and jonathan his nephew they get into a fight superman's brother gets the upper hand the ai mother you know she pleads with him to stop superman recovers beats the crap out of his brother and then we come to find out that uh what's wrong with superman and that comes to the near the end of the episode Along the way in the episode, we see the other drama that is going on, like the human aspect of it. The mayor that I talked about last episode that I thought might end up being the bad guy, the human bad guy for the season. You see him drop out of of the mayor race. And the show sets up Lana to be the, you know, to run as the mayor against uh, a corrupt mayor that is not been challenged in I think 10 years of of him running for mayor so this is where part of the human drama is going to play out here there's another aspect that's being played out with the teenagers Um, we saw last episode Jonathan's girlfriend that uh, you know when they had their hiatus for the show she was off at summer camp as a counselor while she was there she ended up basically cheating on Jonathan uh, she said that she ended up kissing a girl at the camp, and but it meant nothing, and she still loves Jonathan. So that was a pretty interesting twist, I think, something that is definitely realistic. It definitely provides a layer of drama that is different than w- what it would have been if it was a, a guy that she'd kissed. In fact, you know, Jonathan basically stole her away from her original boyfriend, uh, this football player. Uh, on the show so it'll be interesting to see how he handles it and where it goes i think the show has done a really sorry hold on i don't know why that is buzzing there we go i think the show's done a really great job of how they handle the teenage drama and the teenage realities of life whether it's sexuality or bullying or you know hormones i all the things that the teenagers have to deal with and i i think the show's doing a, a really great job and they're really sticking to family values in the way that they handle it handle it uh they have another new layer going on with the addition of the the i think it's hold on let me see if i can find it because I want to get the the name of the character right. And let's see. Uh, Steel DC Comics. Okay, there we go. So it is. Do, 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 do. I want to say his name is Natasha Irons. Is his daughter? Okay, so. I think it's John Henry Irons. Huh. Anyway, so... But... Okay. 
Hold on, I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out what the character's actual name is. Yeah, John Henry. There it is, John Henry. That's what it was. John Henry Irons. He and his daughter are now living at the Kent farm. His daughter, we saw last episode, came through like a wormhole or some kind of barrier. And so now that's a new added layer onto the the Kent farm situation. We'll see what happens there. <clears throat> we found uh, more background history about Lois and she's dealing with her credibility and it's being challenged uh, right now. And we're going to learn more about the, her history, like in particular with her sister who she's estranged from. So I don't know. Like I said, I think the show is doing a, a great job in the way that they're they're juggling all these different things. It's It's definitely entertaining. And I would also definitely call it a, a family show. The the CG effects are excellent. It's something that uh, I I'm I always enjoy Superman. I've always liked uh, Superman as a character. So I just I like the way this show is is, is honoring the history of that. Um, so I definitely give this episode, you know, at least I would uh, overall I would say I, I give this this show like four sombreros because. It's not fast-paced, and it's not mm, like uh, what you would get from a Marvel show, which are definitely more compact, more condensed. They get to the point a lot quicker. This definitely has a soap opera feel to it, so it's not going to be up everybody's sleep. You know, uh, uh, it's not going to be for everybody. But for those people who do enjoy kind of long-form, extended storytelling. And, you know, with sprinkling of a really great action, I, I really enjoyed the CG on this show. I think they, I don't know what the budget is, but they do a fantastic job with it. I would definitely recommend the show. So moving on from that to Boba Fett. Boba Fett has been weirdly enjoyable and I say weirdly enjoyable because if I step back and I take a look at the show there's not really a lot going on and it's it's very slowly providing you with information it has great moments definitely has these uh, like m set piece moments uh, you know, a, a really fun action or fun connections to other parts of the Star Wars universe. But it doesn't have the same kind of relentless drive as the Mandalorian show, for example. And I'll have to go back and rewatch the Mandalorian to see if it actually moved as quickly as I felt it did. I, I don't remember... The Mandalorian having as slow or quiet moments as, as Boba Fett has. Something that made me laugh that someone pointed out on another podcast is that Boba Fett never misses the chance to announce himself and say that he's Boba Fett. And this episode, this last episode, episode four, that made me laugh because I think he says it like two or three times, I am Boba Fett. So that was pretty funny. I, I I like that. I love 
Yeah, let me see if I can find the name of the character. I'm not even sure I can say it correctly. Um, he's got such an odd name. But I love that Kersantin, uh, I think Kersantin, Black Kersantin, nicknamed Santi uh, or Black K. I love that Wookiee. That Wookiee just continues. I want an entire show just based on that Wookiee. I would follow him anywhere. Like He's a fascinating uh, character, and I, I really want to understand all the full motivations of why he's being represented the way he is on Boba. He's just, not, you know, I, I said this before, for as lovable as... as um, Chewbacca is this guy there's you can't ever feel comfortable around him he just always makes everything feel so tense and I don't know it's just a lot of fun so I, I, I really like the way that this character keeps coming back I'm glad he hasn't been killed and that he didn't get killed so far that I that I know from what I've seen and yeah I could definitely have more of this uh, this character if they spun him off into his own show I I would be uh, overjoyed. I loved this episode in particular. Uh, him dealing with, uh, uh, I believe it's, oh man, I I forgot her name already. But the the Twi'lek that that runs the uh, the bar slash casino that Boba Fett actually owns now or oversees. The way she came in and was trying to convince. Uh, Chrysanthemum to not rip off the arms of the uh, <laughs> of the Bossic style character, the the lizard uh, guy, and he just kept like looking back at her and looking at him, looking at her, looking at him. So they meet somewhere in the middle, and the Black Wookiee decides to just rip one arm off instead of both, and they count. Everybody counts it as a win, including Boba Fett, who's standing in the doorway watching the whole thing take place, kind of with, with a weird, amused look on his face. Uh, you don't really ever understand what ends up setting the Wookiee off, but it was it was hilarious. This episode was great. You see Boba Fett. Uh, you you get to see the connection of uh, Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, where uh, Fennec, which is uh, Ming Na Wen's character, she's left for dead. Boba is just happens to be out in the desert with his. Um, giant elephant you know creature thing uh from the sand people he sees lights he heads out there towards the lights and he finds fennec uh on the ground rolls her over see that she's severely damaged takes her into a smaller part of town or 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 adjacent little town where they do modifications gets uh pays for her her mods and basically to to keep her alive is, is what's happening so you see this extended sequence of this guy working on fennec and gives her all new guts and brings her back to life you see fennec wake up she doesn't know where she's at she's disoriented she looks down sees her mid you know section and sees all these uh mechanics in there and freaks out a little bit but Understands that Boba saved her. Uh, says she'll repay the favor. And then after that she's going to take off. 
All that he asks is that she help him to recover his ship, which is still... And, by the way, his ship, Slave One. It will never not be Slave One. I don't care what Disney says. I don't care what anybody else says. That's what we grew up with. That's what that ship is called. It is what it is. But we see them go to Boba's palace. Boba's palace is Boba's palace is covered in guards. They end up figuring out a way to get in. They we have a funny sequence in the kitchens with a, a rat catcher robot, which was awesome. And then we see Boba and Fennec get his ship. And that's a cool sequence uh, uh, as they're trying to get out of Jabba the Hutt's palace, which is now, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, it escapes, but the other Twi'lek with the super sharp teeth, uh, it'll come back to me. But they leave that, and then you see Bobo's like, I, I've got a couple scores i got to settle. So he, uh, the, the sequences after that are, him taking revenge on various things. And one of them is he goes after the biker gang that killed the sand people, which you actually get to see the extent of how big that gang actually is. So it's, it wasn't just the five that he beat up in that, in the, in, you know, one of the previous episodes, it actually is, it's a pretty big group. And he uses slave one to, to wreck all of them while they're speeding through the desert. From that, he goes over to the Sarlacc pit and he's, he's looking for his armor he can't remember what happened to him when he made his way out of the Sarlacc pit. He does not remember getting beat up by the, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the, those little guys, the, uh, uh, that man, my brain is just not working right now, but it, yeah, he, he gets, he gets beat up and he gets his armor taken away from him and he doesn't remember any of that. That's how he gets found by, by the sand people actually. Um, but in his mind, he believes that his armor must still be in the Sarlacc pit and that when he made his way out, like he, you know, wiggled out of the armor or whatever. So there's an intense moment where you see slave one dipping down into the Sarlacc pit, looking with lights. And then you see the Sarlacc, I, I don't know if it woke up or if it was playing possum, but then you see it finally attack, and it's got this, you know, beak comes up and starts smashing. First of all, grabs Slave One with the with tentacles, and then starts smashing his face into um, Slave One, trying to bring it, trying to bring it in, trying to draw it down into itself to consume whatever's inside. Uh, they end up dropping a bomb into uh, the Sarlacc pit, and that was a really cool sequence. Just the, the way that it explodes, they officially kill that creature and then Boba Fett goes down into the pit into the Sarlacc pit into the stomach to try to find his armor and he can't find it and the acids are, are damaging him Fennec tells him you know you can't go back there again the acids are gonna they're gonna kill you and then she tells him you know that's probably what happened to the armor the armor was uh, dissolved and that's when he tells her no like you, you can't dissolve this armor it's made out of Basarak you know, which is um, steel, uh, not steel, but metal that can hold up to a lightsaber attack. So he knows that his armor still, it still exists. He just doesn't, uh, oh, Jawas. It was the Jawas that took him, uh, that took his armor. So he just doesn't know where it is at, the, at, at 
at this time. We we will see him in Mandalorian season two. We see him recover his armor, and so you know we learn the history through that. So at this point right now, we're looking at the backstory before he gets. Well, well, we're actually jumping back and forth. That is what's happening in the Boba Fett story. We jump back and forth into the past, and then we jump into the present where he's currently the Diamo of um, Mos Eisley, or Mos Espa, maybe one of the one of the Mos towns. And um, you see him gather all of the criminals, all of the criminal organizations that operate out of Tatooine. Uh, it's a cool moment too. He puts the table where he's talking to all these guys and saying, "Hey, if you join me, we can push this other group out. But if you're not going to join me, at the very least, just stay out of my way and pledge not to oppose me when I start cleaning house and take these guys out for everybody." He puts the table over the rancor pit. And at one point, you see the Rancor like, ah, you know, j- jump up and scare the crap out of everybody. And that was uh, a great moment. And all the uh, different alien races that are represented on the table, it's, it's a, I mean, it is so cool. It's so, it feels so Star Wars. It, it's insane. It's, and obviously, it's a Star Wars show, but it, it's just cool. All the toys that they're all getting, you know, that, that Favreau and the other directors are getting to play with. It, 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 it's exactly what I've been wanting for a long time. So you see that, you see them all agree, and what was the last part that happens? I One thing I thought was funny and interesting is they keep showing the mod kids, you know, they, they he now has the, the mod uh, Ves, Space Vespa kids as, as protection, and I believe he rehires the uh, the Black Wookiee in this episode as well. So we're going to see him do some job for him, uh, either sticking around his muscle or, you know, send him somewhere. But uh, <clears throat> so we see that. I know that uh, the latest episode that just dropped, I saw a spoiler for it. looks like amazing. It brings some really awesome elements into it. And from what it sounds like, I th- I think this this episode this that just dropped is the last episode for this season. And based on what they dropped in this episode, there's no way that there's not going to be a season two. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Let me see what else we got going on. That great episode all around. Definitely give it give the the whole thing at least four sombreros. I'm going to save my final sombrero overall total for once I finish watching everything the last you know up to the last episode then um, then we'll go there so let me see what else we got going on so we have a, a brand new plot synopsis for Doctor Strange let me see Marvel Studios Doctor Strange oh uh, Mark, uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse Mass unlocks the multiverse and pushes its boundaries further than ever before, journeying into the unknown with Doctor Strange, who, with the help of mystical allies, both old and new, traverse the mind-bending and dangerous alternative, uh, releases May 5th. So, <clears throat> this is going to be a short episode. I mean, in relation to past episodes. 
I think that's about all there is really to talk about um, as things come up, which uh, there's going to be some new movies coming up soon to watch and hopefully, fingers crossed, that they're uh, great, like Morbius, the living vampire. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. See how Sony connects that to Spider-Man. That'll be great. There's a show that I've loved for a long time that was... Uh, it was like a... Per- it, it is, rather, not was. It is a perfect blend of science fiction and grounding the science behind it in reality. And uh, the show I'm talking about is uh, The the Expanse. I've been told that I make that sound like X-Pants, and I'm not, but maybe if I say it like this, The Expanse, ex, expan- The Expanse, hopefully that sounds different than X-Pants. But I just found out recently that the final season is on uh, Amazon and I'm not really sure how they're going to wrap everything up. I haven't started the show yet, the, the the latest and final season. But one of those shows that I definitely cannot recommend enough. It is definitely violent. It is it definitely has one or two sexual situations. But it's actually very, very, very light on, on any of that stuff. Most of what I would recommend not watching with kids, uh, you know, not watching kids for is the violence. There is moments that are like, whoa, you know, brutal. For the most part, though, just a great story uh, in the way that the technology works, the the way that the science works for for the ships and gravity and space. And it's such a cool concept. The part that takes it out of uh, reality and science is you're dealing with an ancient alien technology slash race so you get to see uh, remnants of, of those of that particular whatever they are left behind and that's the mystery that is being uncovered in the show from the very beginning as it goes through but the character's super likable uh very flawed and broken and really relatable and you just for me personally there there wasn't a single character that that uh was a weak link and that's really rare on a show all the main characters really strong really enjoyable you want to see more of them the show is not afraid to pull punches on on the people that they get rid of or leave behind and that actually the way that it's done too, whenever uh, a main character is taken out, makes complete sense. So it's not. I've seen shows before where they've wasted characters. They've tried to write in the drama and the saying goodbye to the character in such a way that it just it just didn't work. It didn't end up fitting the moment, or it didn't have the 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 pull that you would want the you know the 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 gravity of the situation that you'd want this show is one of those that is uh, it's just done really really well whenever somebody ends up leaving the show it makes complete sense and it also makes makes sense too that the show is is 
done so well because it is based off of books. So it has that foundation. And while I have not read the series, I'm because the show is such a high quality show and it's such, you know, so well done. I have to believe that the showrunners stuck pretty close to the source material and didn't try to alter it in a way that turned it into something other than what we're seeing on screen. Because again, going back to what I said earlier, where there's a, a lot of shows tend to float a message through, and that that is kind of the one of the main goals, along with telling a story. They are also really invested in in pushing some kind of idea or narrative. This doesn't feel like that. This feels like a show that is telling you a story and it's just the story. So whatever happens within that story, whatever uh, relationship the characters have, whatever situation ends up happening, it's not being driven by some kind of idea that they're trying to float to the viewer. You know, some kind of moral uh, moment that, that you need to identify with or you know, trying to manipulate you to manipulate you into thinking or feeling a, a certain way. Rather, you come to your own conclusions as to how you're going to feel about any moment or situation that is happening with any of the characters and the motivations and why they uh, why they do the things that they do. You know, one of the one of the one of my favorite characters on the show is one of the most flawed, one of the most damaged, one of the most. You don't know what he's going to do. He's unpredictable. He could end up harming anyone. And it turns out that he's the one that you might sympathize with the most because of his his um, his faults and, and, you know, and and the way that he thinks and views the world and how he comes across. He's a, he's very practical. Let me, let me uh, see if I can pull up a list here really quick. Um, so I can get everybody's, um, everybody's names, right. And like I said, if you have not seen it, I cannot recommend it enough. It, it is, it is fantastic show. So here we go. The main characters uh, James Holden, Naomi Nagata, who's one of my favorites. I, I love their accents too. They, they've created a, a new way of, of sounding for the, the characters that different characters come from different locations. Like there's some earth people, there's other people that come from Mars. And then there are these people that are called belters and the belters have their own unique way of speaking. It, it's really cool. But the character that I'm talking about is Amos, um, Amos is, is super broken and dangerous and, you know, he's got a crazy shady past, but like I said, everybody top to, you know, top to bottom is, is really fantastic characters. You really end up feeling, uh, for the crew, I think the ship is called the Rosanati, I believe. And so the, that crew, this, this tiny little family is the family that you want to see stay together and and not get hurt and you get really invested in them so i cannot recommend the show enough looking forward to the final season although i'm not looking forward to the final season because i wish that it was not the final season and i really hope that they're able to wrap everything up 
and get to get to a satisfying place with the story uh, because I believe the books. Uh, let me see. Let me see how many books there are. I I know that they were not able to. Okay, so there's nine books. It looks like. Uh, let me see total. I believe one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, there's nine books total. I I'm sure that they were not able to fit in the story of all those books in six seasons. But whatever they gave me, I'm I'm completely grateful for. With that, I believe that I am now going to say goodbye at this point because I can't think of anything else that was on my radar. I did want to. They did give a new. Set, let me see, Doctor Strange. Let's take a look and I'll read the I guess there's a there's a new synopsis so I'll leave you guys with that Doctor Strange casts a forbidden spell that opens a portal to the multiverse however a threat emerges that may be too big for his team to handle alright let's see a new synopsis for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness teases the master of mystic arts traveling through alternate realities. A new synopsis. Okay, here we go. It's long been known that the Multiverse of Madness will see Doctor Strange team up with Scarlet Witch as well as introduce American Chavez into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. However, according to the new synopsis, in the Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the MCU unlocks the multiverse and pushes its boundaries further than ever before. Journey into the unknown with Doctor Strange, who with the help of mystical allies both old and new, traverses the mind-bending and dangerous alternate realities of the multiverse to confront a mysterious new adversary. The new enemy was previously mentioned in an early Japanese synopsis, which stated that the character looked just like Doctor Strange. Prior to that synopsis, the release, uh, synopsis released, the character, who may be Doctor Strange Supreme from Disney's What If, was seen in the Multiverse of Madness first trailer. The synopsis also revealed that Wong will still hold the title of Sorcerer Supreme, which was previously revealed in Spider-Man No Way Home. As for other Marvel heroes outside of America, Chavez, Multiverse of Madness, is rumored to have appearances from Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four, Black Bolt of the Inhumans, while possibly concept art sees Doctor Strange meeting Professor X of the X-Men. These three characters were veteran members of the Illuminati alongside Doctor Strange in the comics, though there is no official word of their involvement in the film. In, 2009, in the 2019 original Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson, who stepped down uh, from the Multiverse of Madness over creative differences, described the sequel as the MCU's first scary movie. Marvel Studio President, Marvel Chief Creative Officer Kevin Feige would later clear up the perception that it is a horror movie, saying, I wouldn't necessarily say Multiverse of Madness is, hor is a horror film, but... It'll be a big MCU film with scary sequences in it. 
I mean, there are horrifying sequences in Raiders of the Lost Ark that I, as a little kid, would cover my eyes when their face uh, when the face is melted, or the Temple of Doom, of course. <clears throat> Gremlins, Poltergeist. These are movies that invented the PG-13 rating. By the way, they were PG, and then they were like, "We need, we need another rating." But that's fun. It's fun to be scared in that way, and not a horrific, torturous way, but a way that is legitimately scary because Scott Derrickson is quite good at that, but scary in the service of an exhilarating emotion. But we know that <clears throat> he is, uh, Scott Derrickson is no longer part of the movie. Now it's Sam Raimi, and Sam Raimi has a, a great long history of being able to do horror and comedy, though his films tend to tend to bleed over into like a, a more horror but the horror that he does is also very cartoonish over the top but what I'm saying is Sam Raimi can more than handle the the chores of heroics and horror and balancing that blend together so I'm super excited for this movie obviously everybody's super excited for this movie I think it's going to do huge numbers especially once word of mouth comes through the way that uh, spider-man did so we have so many good things to look forward to coming up not just that but also by the time we get to san diego comic-con in the summertime we'll have i believe thor will be the 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 movie that's floating around at that time so can't wait to see what marvel does for that uh just in the promo and uh, you know the fun and excitement that that uh, always happens every year at San Diego, or at least will happen again. We, you know, we ended up missing two years, I think, of San Diego Comic Con. So, very much looking forward to getting back there, and looking forward to going back there as a vendor. I was part of the show in uh, November, which was uh, a mini San Diego Comic Con, and that was awesome. the The way that they handled it, the way that um, that you know the people that came out for it, it was just such a good time i cannot wait to get back to that i'm really fingers crossed that i will be accepted into artist alley it'll be you know the first time that i'm part of that artist alley in, in the meantime looking forward to uh WonderCon, which is in uh, uh like two months here and uh, i will definitely be a part of that that's going to be fantastic so with all that I will leave you now. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for going along with me on this ride. Please send me any feedback that you want, anything that you want to hear, any changes that you think I can make, any way to improve the show. I would uh, very much appreciate that feedback. Until then, I will leave you the way that we've always left you. Uh, you know, when Kenny and I uh, do this show together, eat your vitamins, drink your water eat your vegetables and everyone stay safe out there and i will talk to you next week bye